praise. Thank you. Mama, you've been that good and that kind. Amen. Amen. The children may be released for Children's Church. Um, all the children may be released to the back. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 28. You have them. I have them on the screen as well. But if you want to turn in your own word, uh, flipping your phone, however you do it, it don't matter to me as long as you got the word. But Mark chapter 10, verse 28. We're going to start there. And as everyone, please stand for the word of God. And this is what it says Then Peter began to say to him, So we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered him and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one that who has left house or brother or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come in eternal life. That's New King, New King James Version. We're going to jump over to the New Living Translation real quick. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or property for my sake and the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. If you don't mind, high five three people and say, I gotta keep it 100. <laughs> yeah, I gotta I got keep it 100. High five three people. I said three people, that's two and a half. Go ahead and hit three people real quick and say, uh, keep it 100. Amen, amen. Uh, some of you know we're in a new series that we're starting called Faith and Finances. There is a tie between our faith and our finances. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. A tie between our faith and our finances that uh, I feel God has led me to teach on because uh, people don't want to talk about money, but money is talked about so much in the Bible. So God, God talks about it, so why would we want to talk about it and teach on it? Amen. Well, before we get started on that, I have to address one thing real quick. I feel I would be amiss as a leader if I didn't address this, that the government is still shut down. Uh, the government has been shut down since December 22nd. This marks the 23rd day, which is the longest shutdown in history. There are over 800,000 federal employees that are not working right now and not getting paid. Yeah, your pastor works for the postal service. It's the grace of God that I'm still able to go to work and get a check because we are part of the government, but he couldn't shut us down. Amen. So I'm grateful and I realize how blessed I am just to be able to still have the opportunity because some people have been sent back to work and they can't get paid. Yeah. Yeah. Political issues are driving people going to poverty. Our commander in chief is capitalizing on the base root issue undergirded in white supremacy. Yeah. So xenophobia and isolationism who is holding people's paychecks hostage for a while, he promised another country was going to pay for it. That don't even make sense. Another country, he promised Mexico was going to do it, yet he's holding an American country hostage, and it costs $5 billion. What tripped me out, I looked him up, he worth $3 billion. Why he, why he ain't put up two of his own money? I mean, if you worth $3 billion, why couldn't you can't put two? We can close this whole thing off and be done with it, amen. 
But as a church, I want to remind us we have to pray for our brothers and sisters across the nation as long as Indianapolis, amen, who have been bamboozled. Some of them have been bamboozled and voted for somebody that's keeping their money from them. Jesus have mercy. Those who have food stamps and shakes and aid right now will not get funding if we don't get this thing shut down. So people are going to be hurting and needing money on a whole other level. So we got to be remembered to pray for those people that are in these situations and be able to help any way we can. Amen? Because I want everybody to know, not just only government workers, but also those that uh, live in this country. We don't serve a government that can shut down. We serve a God who can step up. Amen? Amen. Yeah, we don't serve a government. So when I realize my help don't come from the government, my help comes from the Lord. That's why my eyes are lifted up to the hill from where my help comes yeah. from. So when I know I got God's help, it don't matter what the government does. Amen. Amen. So I wanted to address that because that's something that's going on in our nation. And we have to be aware of what's going on. Now, as we get back to our regular scheduled program, it's no secret that keeping it 100 is part of our culture. Yeah, yes, something we say, we say, yeah, yeah. We got to keep it 100 means that all, what I'm stating is all real, all facts, not fiction. Yeah, it's all real. When I say it's a 100, I'm being authentic in what I'm saying. Even Drake had a song and the chorus says this, keep it two more than 98 with me. And that's 100. So we all want somebody to keep it 100 with us because that means you are being real with me. That's what we want. And as I looked at this pregnant passage, as I was preparing to teach on this, Jesus is addressing Peter's question, and he says, you will receive something 100-fold for giving up for me. But I have to ask, why did Peter even ask that question? What led to that circumstance? What made Peter even say to Jesus, you know what, God, we have given up everything to follow you. Well, let's look at, let's look at what the text says. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17, uh, known as the rich young ruler, uh, is the title, uh, subtitle of a lot of people's Bibles. It says this. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. Wow. Remember I said Jesus would check you. He won't disrespect you, but he'll check you in an instance. He said, why are you calling me good? Because nobody is good but God. Think about how deep that is that even on our best, we're not really that good because only God is good. So what Jesus is really saying that when you call me good teacher, that means you are referring, you acknowledge that I am God as well. I'm not just a good teacher, I am God. So he comes to the rich ruler and calls him good teacher, and he says, uh, I want to know how do I inherit eternal life. I don't know what he was looking for. Maybe he was thinking one good deed is something I can do to give me eternal life. One, well, If I do this one thing, maybe God will say, you know what, you can have eternal life. Uh, it, was, it was still the deal for me, but let's look at what Jesus' response was to the man, the rich young ruler. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud and honor your father and your mother. And he answered him and said, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Wow. So Jesus runs down the commandments. He doesn't go through all 10 notice, but he's dealing primarily with the commandments that are love your neighbor as yourself. Not the one that love God above all, but love your neighbors as yourself. Don't commit a murder or adultery. Don't fraud. Don't lie. Don't steal. Honor your mother and father. He's dealing with all those and his reply trips me out because he says, I've kept all these since my youth. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell me if did he really mean that from the bottom of his heart? Because he might have been sincere. He might have been, you know what? I've been doing that. I should be right my whole life. I ain't hurt nobody. I ain't defrauded nobody. I've been doing that. Or could it have come from a place of self-righteousness where he thought he was this good and that? And, and, and just remember, just remember, he might have thought that, but Jesus isn't interested in our righteous resume. 
Jesus is interested in that. We look at it on God's barometer. See, we like to look at a man's barometer. I might not have done that, but remember I told you before that Jesus does not just look at what we do. He look at the intents of your heart and your motive. Because maybe you didn't do it, but you was on your way to do it and thought about it. He saw that. So you really haven't kept the commandments like you think you have. Jesus also judged our attitudes and our motives and our internal. Amen? So look at this in verse 21. Then Jesus said, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up your cross and follow me. Wow. Look at that response. I love that because the Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. See, when Jesus looks at us, he looks at us different than everybody else. See, when I look at you, I might not can tell what is wrong with you. I might not know exactly what's wrong with you. You might be able to have on your fake face. You might be able to smile your way through it, laugh your way through it. I don't know. But when Jesus look on you, he's looking at your heart and what you're dealing with. See, when Jesus look at us, it's different. See, I can show in the text that, that one time when they was doing offering at the church and everybody was bringing their money and everybody was dropping their money, dropping their money. And then a widow came and all she had was two mites with two pennies and she dropped it in there. And Jesus said, that woman has put more money than everybody in here. And the disciples said, what do you mean she put two pennies in there? How did she put more money than everybody that came in here? He said, because she gave out her last, they gave out of their abundance. So when Jesus was looking at them, he said, I know what you got at the crib. I know know what's in that savings account. She ain't got nothing. So I can't save you because this person put in $1,000 and this person put in 10. That might have been the only 10 they had. And you might have 10,000 at home. So that 10 that they had that she put in might have been worth more than that. So when Jesus looked at us, he looked at us a little different than what man can see. Amen. Because he looks at the heart. So Jesus looked at him. And, and it wasn't to give him a pat on the back for his righteous resume. He looked at him and loved him. He seen a piece of his heart that he hadn't really fully gave to God yet. When Jesus looked at him. The one thing he lacked was unrivaled allegiance to God. That's the one thing he was lacking. And since wealth was his God, he was devoted to it more than God. Therefore, he really was breaking the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus commanded two things to this brother. Check this out. The man was to go and sell everything and then give it to the poor. Yeah. Thereby removing the obstacle, blocking him from eternal life. He asked the question, how do I get eternal life? Jesus really gave him the answer to remove the obstacle, but he wasn't what he wanted to hear. The second was the self-righteous, self-righteous achievement mixed in with the love of money. See, see, it's easy to be self-righteous when we got the when we got money involved with us because I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm helping. Then sometimes people think they can do above and beyond because they got money. That's not how God flows. Then Jesus said, check this out. Sell what you have, give to the poor. Then he said, come follow me. Take up your cross. Come to Jerusalem with me. Take up your cross. Follow me as I go get crucified and I get hated on and nobody want to be around me. Follow me. And then you will have eternal life. See, the turn way to eternal life was in turning from trusting our earthly securities and turning to trust in Jesus. That's the key to eternal life, turning away from our earthly securities and turning to trust in Jesus. Check this out, what the young man said. But he was sad at this word. Ooh. He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus gave my brother a personal invitation to roll with him. He said, look, you want, you want the answer to eternal life? I got you, bro. Sell all that. Get rid of all that. Hook the poor up. They need it anyway. And come roll with me. Come follow me. Part of my plate. You got a personal invitation to roll with God. 
but he chose not to. The one who obeyed God since he was a youth, the one who kept all the commandments, got a chance to roll with God, but became sad at his word and went away sorrowful. Not because he thought Jesus was lying. Not because he didn't think God was the way. It's because he had great possessions. My God. He had great possessions. Look at verse 23. Then Jesus looked around his disciples, his crew, and says, how hard is it or how impractical is it for those with riches or wealth to enter into the kingdom of God? Is the question he asked his crew. Look at this. And the disciples, disciples were astonished at his word. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Wow. Jesus again had to express it because what do we do? It's because we're earthly. When we see people that are rich, the first thing that comes to our mind, they blessed. They blessed. They get all this money, they blessed. But look at what Jesus is saying. Because if the money have you, you ain't really blessed. It's okay to have money, but the thing is the money can't have you. So he's saying that it's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. But this is why we got to read the whole Bible and have good counsel and, and pick scriptures up. And we can't just piece together. So look at this. Look at the, look at the statement with this. The big deal is the money statement from Jesus. So he said something, you know, I just can't skip over this. I can't, I can't, I can't. It's our job to theorize and recognize what Jesus said because it means so much. It sounds like Jesus feels that very few people with money are going to get into heaven. That's, that's, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like being poor gives you a leverage to get into heaven. That's why grandma would never say, I, just, I, I don't need nothing but God. I don't need nothing but Jesus. Just give me Jesus. I don't, I don't need nothing but Jesus. That's what it seems like being poor gives you a leverage for heaven. But that's why we got to be careful. It's my job as a pastor to be careful what I like to call biblical isolationism. When we isolate the text and don't look at the whole Bible and see what God is really saying. Because you have to look at the whole Bible to get the big picture. Because if God was a really against people with money, let's look at some of the Old Testament, some of the first biblical ballers that we ever seen. Look at Abram. Genesis chapter 13, verse 2 says, Abram, let it become Abraham, the father of Jews. It says this, that what? Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. It's Abraham. This is the one God called and said, go to a new country. He was very rich. Then we look at Abraham and say, well, he's very rich. Then he had another person named Job that loved God. And Abraham was rich. Job was like Warren Buffett of his day. Job had it going on. Job, Job wasn't no, wasn't no plaything. Let's look at what he says about Job. Uh, Job chapter 1, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and, who, and one who feared God and shunned evil, and had seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Check this out. And his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people in the east. So he had all these animals. Uh, he even had 500 of his household. That was his servants to tend to all this. You can't keep up with thousands of donkeys and sheep and cattle. Ain't got nobody else to do it. So Job was paid, super paid. So we cannot deny that what it said. It said that he loved God. He was blameless and upright. He shunned evil. So we can't deny the fact that he loved God, but Job also had money. 
We can't miss that. So I know what you're thinking. Pastor, those are Old Testament patriarchs. Uh, they, those, those are the ones that Jesus ain't talking about that. But how does that do with me with discipleship? How does that relate to me right now in the New Testament? I'm glad you asked me that. When we're thinking about the text, we've got to revolutionize it. And this is what we've got to think about regarding people with health and wealth. So check this out. Matthew 27. Verse 57. Now when evening had come, there was a rich man who came from uh, Maranatha. His name was Joseph, who himself had become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. Check this out. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. The Pilate, the, then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When, G, when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth and he laid it in the new tomb in which he had hewn out of a rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. See, people understand this. Check this out. Check this out. That poor people didn't get tombs. If you were poor back then, you just did Gonna throw you in a ditch and we're gonna move on. If you did not have any money, no resources, you were not allowed to get a tomb back then. So check this out. Since that had to happen, if Joseph didn't buy the tomb, what does that do with the resurrection? It was Joseph's tomb, a rich man. If he didn't give Jesus the tomb to be buried in and to raise out of, how does the resurrection happen? So it was somebody that had some money that came into the situation and did something. So every ministry needs some Josephs about Marinette. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I need entrepreneurs in our ministry. I need people to have their own business. I need people to understand stocks and bonds. I need people to be smart and understand money. So not only can they be a blessing to the ministry, but help everyone in as well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Because what happens when people with resources got money, then you can do kingdom work and you ain't got to use none of the world's money. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to use the world's money to bless this church. I don't want to use the world's money to go out and feed the poor. I don't want to use the world's money to set up after school programs or, or back to school rallies or whatever the case may be. I don't want to use this church to go get grants. I want people to give and pray, God, grant, grant me the strength to preach. Amen. That's what I want. Amen. So we need that. God needs some people in here that can help out. See, the devil is a liar. He don't want people to think that, dang, because I got money, I'm against God. Or because Jesus made this quick quote in the scripture that this makes it seem like, dang, it's a sin to have money. It's not a sin to have money. The love of money is the root of our evil. The key word is the love. Why is the love of money the root of our evil? The Bible says because those who love it chase it and it pierces them with many sorrows. Because if I love money that much, I'm willing to lie to you for it. If I love it that much, I'm willing to steal for it. If I love you that much, I'm willing to kill for it. So it's not that money is bad. It's when you love it. I see, it makes, makes me so mad. I see Facebook posts and people say, if money is the root of our evil, why do churches ask for it? You're not even quoting scripture right. <laughs> That's not what it says. It says the love of money. Use some sense, but it's important. But we get caught up somebody. See, I'm about to share that. That's so true. And this is this. But again, we, like Jesus said, but you say. We don't read the Bible, but it's but you say. You put your own spin on it, your own remix. So we must be careful what we're doing. But we need God to help with our kingdom work. Check this out. Ah, but Pilate, 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 real quick, before we don't get to that, but Pilate granted uh, Joseph the body of Jesus. Check this out. He granted him the body of Jesus, the body of Jesus. And Luke 23 and 53 says that Joseph actually took it down. Joseph removed the body from the cross 
And after removing the bloody lint body, this is what he did. He had to take it, prepare it for a burial, and wrap it up in cloth and linen. He had to do all this, and he had to get the, 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 the rock put up to go over the tomb. So Joseph was not showing people the only thing that he was willing to give money, but he also was willing to work. Amen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Joseph was showing courage. He was expending his time. He went to a pilot. He went to the Roman authority. He took his time and said, you know what? I need Jesus' body. He went and, and, and could have been killed really for asking for that because the Romans was running anything. But he went to him and said, I need Jesus' body. Uh, he showed effort. He showed time and he showed effort. He went there and took the body down on the cross. You ever try to carry our children sometime with heavy? Amen. You mean taking a grown man who is limp, who is not moving, who is nothing but dead weight off a cross, you know how much energy and time that would have took? And he's bloody, he's bleeding through, all that stuff is going to get on you? Check this out. And then he, what does he do? He used his riches. He wrapped up the body of Jesus in fine linen and cloth and placed them in a tomb he had purchased, which shows me that Joseph did all he could for the Lord. Yeah. The question is... What would you do for Jesus if you had big money? Uh, you prove it by what you do right now. Because the Bible says he'd be faithful over a few things he gets many. Yeah, yeah. Don't be that person that said, if I had this, then I would give it. Yeah. Don't be that person that if I hit the lottery and I had a million dollars, I'm going to take care of it. Because if you won't pay a tithe off $500, you ain't going to pay a tithe off $5 million. Because your heart ain't prepared to do that. If I can't give you 50 out of my 500, I'm not going to get 500,000 out of my 5 million. Too much money. Too much. So we must be realizing that what God is saying that he's wanting to elevate us. He wants to bring us to new places. But first, we got to be faithful over the few things. Yeah. Once we're faithful over the few, God can bless us and elevate us. Amen. Yeah. So check this out. Then Peter said, then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Woo, I love that statement right there. We have left all and followed you. See, every pastor needs some I left all crew. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I need, I need a few soldiers that got my back sometimes. Amen. They say, Pastor, we got your back. Uh, whatever you need in the ministry, whatever you need to help, we got your back. We left all crew. We left all. We are forsaking some things to come and help you because as long as you follow in Christ, I'm going to go ahead and follow you. Because that's the way God designed it. And, it, and we got to be careful because we get uh, in a generation where some people believe I can be a Christian and not go to church. Well, if you decide to go that route, check this out. And if God designed for the church to be a place and to have pastors, then you have said God's system is flawed. Why? You said God don't know what he's doing. So we must be careful and realize that when Peter and them came to Jesus, they said, you know what? We left all. We left it. Whatever it was, we left all to follow you. This is what we came for right here. I love it right here. Come on, let's dig into this thing. Uh, so Jesus answered and said, Surely I said to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mother and children and lands with persecutions and in this age come eternal life. I know you said it, but say it one more time. Tell somebody keep it 100. I got to keep it 100. We can't keep it 100 unless we're willing to give up something. Mm. Y'all feel like preaching now. We can't keep it 100 unless you're willing to give up something. If I'm not willing to give up my talent for God that he gave me with, I'm not willing to keep it 100. 
God has put something inside of me that I have been called to use for his glory, whatever it is. But if I don't give it back to him, I can't keep it 100. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If I don't give my time back to God, then I can't keep it 100. God has given us, you know, 1,440, 1440 minutes every day. Wow. Mm, which equals only 24 hours. It's 168 hours in one week. And we ain't even moving around like that. Imagine if God began to show us, we gave him a little bit more time what he can do in our life. Imagine if God, we just gave God a little bit more time. We decided to give God 30 minutes out the day. 30 minutes out of that 1440. A day for seven days a week. Imagine what God can do with that. Imagine if we got some people to say, you know what? I'm going to get to church a little early. I'm going to come with Pastor and First Lady have set up at 1030. And then I'm going to be ready by 11. And then we're going to pray this thing down. We're going to be here praying so hard and sweating and crying out God's name that when people come here, they just feel the presence of God when they walk into this place. You got to be willing to give up your time. If you're not willing to give up your time, you're not willing to keep it 100. Uh, our treasure, and I'm going to teach more on this next week, our treasure, our treasure, our treasure, as we're dealing with faith and finances, and it's more than just our tithe, but we're beginning with the tithe, because if I don't give God his tenth, then I can't keep it 100. Yeah, yeah. We wonder why God doesn't give us good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over, and flowing in men, giving it to our bosom. We wonder why we're not getting the blessing we think we should get from God, because before he said he's going to give you all that, he says, give and it shall be given to you. Amen. Give and it shall be given to you. And that's anything in life. If you're giving out bad judgment, he's going to give that back to you. You're giving out lies, whatever you're giving out, expect to get it back. But when you're giving out, of your, giving out to God, out of our finances, he's promised to bless it, to shake it down, to press it together, and that it may be running over. Amen. I need some running over in my life. I don't know about y'all. I need some running over. I need some things to be pouring in my life. So when God wants to give things to us, we must realize that what? That this is part of us keeping 100. Amen. I know this. The glorious promise of Christ and the true disciples are those who give up their house and their family for Christ's sake. And the gospel received a hundredfold. I love this. I love this. Uh, y'all know the rapper group, The Clips? You know, The Clips grinding? That might be a little old school for y'all. But with The Clips, the uh, rapper group out of Virginia, two brothers, one name, one name was Malice and one name was Pusha T. And they rapped uh, about big drug dealings and they had family members that sold a lot of drugs. So obviously their music reflected the life they grew up with for the most part in Virginia and cousins and family members selling drugs. Well, check this out. Well, um, Push a T and no malice. Do y'all know what malice means? The word malice means to be extremely hateful, to be filled with anger and vengeance. That's what the word malice means, and that's his brother's rap name. So him and his brother are tight, 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 tight. They, you can't separate them. They're tight. They grew up together. They rap together. And then as they're doing all this, guess what happens? Malice gets saved. So malice gets saved, and his name changes from malice to no malice. That's a praise right there. Y'all missed that? That, that, that his name meant evil and revenge and spiteful, but he said, you know what? I met Christ now. My life has to change. Now my name is No Malice. So now him and his brother who are tight, tight, that brother, anybody got a family member or brother or sister that you tight with, y'all know how tight you are with your kid. And now because of who he is in Christ, he's straight away and went straight to Christian rap. He's left the arena he was in. He no longer hangs with the people he used to hang with. He's no longer in those circles. But his brother, Pusha T, is still rapping about selling drugs, killing, murder, violence, and all this stuff. So you have two brothers who are tight, but one has chose Christ and has went to another side. Remember I told you, 
Peter said, what? We, we, we're giving up all to follow you. So malice has given up everything to follow Jesus. So now him and his brother relationship, not that it's bad, but it's not like it was. He's given up all to follow Christ. And the reason why God has to have us to keep it 100 to follow him, because if we don't keep it 100 and decide to give up on things and follow him, there's no way we're going to bring them over to him. I have a it's no way my brother going to see Jesus if I'm so I'm silent with Jesus. It's no way my brother going to find Jesus if I ain't up here to be 100 with Jesus. It's not that I don't love you and I don't want to hang with you and I don't miss our good times. That's not it. But what is happening is that when I've made a decision to follow Christ, I can't let you drag me back. When God has dragged me out the pits of hell, I can't go back. Amen. I, I'm here to throw you the rope. Now I throw you the rope and pull you up. And if you don't want to catch the rope, I got to chuck a deuce at you because we got to get somewhere in our life where no matter what, I have given it up. And it's not that you don't love them. It's not that you don't. You love them that much that you're willing to give it up. That's how much you love that I can show you a new life, that I can show you something else. I love it. No matter. Say, you know what? I gave Jacob $30,000 for a piece, and the whole time Jesus was free. Woo. Wow, that's good. I gave Jacob $30,000 for a Jesus chain, and the whole time Jesus was free. So his whole mind has changed. His whole style has changed. Everything has changed. But he's changed to be an example for his brother and those that know him. So God is calling us to be an example for those that know us. They say, you know what? I remember when he was winning. I remember when they did this. I remember when they did that. And people will respect you for keeping it 100 with Jesus. Because they know who you were. So check this out. So now his brother decides to get married. And guess who officiates the wedding? (laughs) <laughs> I seen the pictures on the internet that his brother sitting there now a minister of the gospel the one who talked about selling drugs the one who talked about killing the one who talked about using all these different women now sits behind the pulpit and says now I unite my brother to be husband and wife and if I didn't forsake all if I didn't give 100 to Jesus that day wouldn't have happened because if I let him drag me back not only would I be messed up but I would make God look bad and that's really the issue. We can't make God look bad. When we love something, we forsake it all. When you love that person, nothing, nothing nobody should get between your marriage. Y'all husband and wife, y'all stuck. Nobody should get between that. Same thing with God. God marries us. And when we get to heaven, it says Christ is the, is the bridegroom. We are the bride. We marry Jesus. So when we're keeping it 100, check this out. We are forsaking all and loving on God. And when we were keeping 100, check it out. And I'm almost done. This is what we get. A spiritual bond and kinship with a much larger family. The family of God throughout both heaven and earth. Yeah. So when I keep it 100 with God, I get new brothers and new sisters. Yeah. So God understands that when we forsake all, because some people are not going to follow them right away. Some people are not going to jump on the thing. They're going to think you're crazy out your mind, whatever the case may be, because you've changed. Yeah. So what does God do? God is so awesome. He brings you into a church and gives you new brothers and sisters. That understand you, that can vibe with you, that feel with you, that love God, you love God. So why you might be sorrowful because you can't hang with your favorite cousin no more. You can't hang with your best friend no more. Y'all can't hang like y'all used to, but God sends you a new family. It's on the same thing. He wants to love you and encourage you to keep on the good fight of faith. He gives us new family in heaven. Check it out. Number two. Fellowship and communion are very present and practical help when needed through the local church, the fellowship of believers with your own within his own community. 
So God has put us together as believers to fellowship with one another. That's why we got to make it a habit to come together to worship, come together for prayer meetings, come together just to even go out and have some fun, some good, clean fun. So you can say, you know what? I can have fun to be a Christian. It's okay. You have a good time to be a Christian. Have good, clean fun. But what does it do through the local church and the fellowship? It keeps us connected. It's an imperative for us to stay connected with one another. Why? Because we need strength because everybody's going through something. And I might be on a good street where I got life is pretty good, ain't no issues came, and you might come into this door with tears in your eyes. And you might need somebody to look at you and say, this is what God said. God said be encouraged. God said trust in him. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Come here, let me pray for you. Come here, let me give you a hug. You don't know how a hug can change somebody's life. Everybody ready to kill themselves this morning. Everybody got to fight with their husband this morning, their wife. You don't know what could have happened. But that's why it's important for us as believers to come together. Sitting at home in the bed won't get it. You got to be in the presence. And the last one, the presence of the Spirit of God who communes with and directs him day by day. So now when I've given up 100 for God, I've given my life to God. Now the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes in my life. It helps me to fight my flesh. It helps me in my decision making. It helps me. He he sets things up. He blocks things for me. He gives me eyes that I didn't have before to see what's going on around me. So when I'm giving up everything from God, his spirit now communes with me day by day. And it gives me strength to carry on. Because in my own mind, I might go crazy. My own strength only going to go so far. I get weak and get tired. The lady time is my testimony this last week. And I'm, I'm really about to be done. Had a long week. I had to open and close in my job every day. Uh, working 11, 12 hours. It was a crazy week this week. Super long week. And Friday morning came out and pastor was tired. I was like, Lord, I'm hurting, Lord. I need some strength. I, look, I got my phone to my Bible. I went to Psalms. I was like, I don't know which one I'm about to pick. I picked Psalms 18. And you know what the first thing he says? I love you, Lord. You are my strength. Amen. There's no way I could. I didn't, and I know the Bible pretty well, but I didn't know that was right there. But my prayers, what I'm saying, God, is so real. I just said, Lord, I need some strength. Amen. I'm weak. Now let me let me seek you and see what I should find. I hit Psalms and boom, just put one in. And the first thing he says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. You are my rock. You are my fortress. You are my savior. I called her and said, baby, that thing is lifting up my spirit so much. I feel good going into work now. Today about to be a blessed day. Why? Amen. Because God is there. His spirit speaks to you. Amen. We just got to be willing to listen. Yes. Amen. Sing God praise in this place. Amen. We do better than that. God, I pray for his goodness, his grace, and his mercy, his kindness, which endures forever. I don't know what you're standing in need of today. I don't know what you your relationship with Christ. But I do know this, that you pressed your way today. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And God appreciates it more than me that you say, you know what? I'm not going to let nothing keep me back from spending some time with God. So I don't know where you are in your relationship with Christ. Maybe you uh, are not saved. Maybe you never said that Jesus is your personal Savior. Maybe, that, maybe that's true to me. Uh, you never said to him. Or maybe you know what? I am saved, but I'm just looking for a church home. I'm saved. I just don't have a covering. A covering. What is a covering? A covering is that I am somewhere connected with somebody. The pastor is praying for me. They're loving on me. They're caring for me. And uh, truth be told, if you've been coming here for a while, me and Thomas already praying for you. We already loving on you. We already covering you anyway. Just truth be told, even if you haven't made it official, but 
if it's time to make it official, say, you know what, God, I need, to, I need somewhere to be connected, to be committed, so I can, I can continue to grow in Christ. Let today be your day. God loves you and cares for you. God is there. That's why that song spoke so much to me. I love him more than anything. Because that's what keeping it 100 is about. It ain't about being perfect. It's about saying I love him more than anything. I love you, God. I need you. I love you more than my spouse, my children. Because truth be told, without you, I don't have them. I love you more than my job because the job can let me go tomorrow. And if I die, all they're going to do is fail somebody and fill my position. If I'm in the hospital, they probably ain't going to come visit me. I love you more than anything. More than anything. Check this out. A song I love. It says, if I had everything and lost everything, and Lord, you were the only thing, I still have everything. If I had everything and lost everything, but you were the only thing, I still have everything. I love that song because it speaks so much. I know somebody that went through a house fire this past week. And they were so upset. And who wouldn't be if you lost all your stuff in a house fire? Who wouldn't be upset after you come back down? He got back on social media and said, you know what? I'm sorry because my babies are safe. I walked back into that house and seen everything burnt up. And all I could think about was, dang, that could have been my children. That could have been me. That could have been my wife. So in the midst that he lost everything, he had to step back up himself and say, but I got you, Lord. I got my family. That's more than enough. I can get more stuff. So I want to ask you today, who's willing to say, you know what, Lord, I'm willing to keep it 100 with you. Don't mean I'm never going to make a mistake again. Don't mean I'm never going to mess up again. That's not what keep doing 100 is about. It's about saying, you know what, Lord, I'm committed. I'm about to walk this thing out. I'm about to stay down with you. I'm about to roll with Jesus till the wheels fall off. I don't care what happens. I'm rolling with you. We stuck like glue. So if you know you need to be saved, or you need a church home, let today be your day. Let today be your day. Let God do his thing. Maybe you need special prayer. We love to pray with you, whatever the case may be, but let God have his way in your life. If you know you need something from God, don't get up in the morning, get dressed, go through this inclement weather and the snow, and not get what you need from God. God is here and he loves you and he cares. So if anybody, like I said, you know, I don't draw this out, but if you know you need to be saved and you need a church home, let today be your day. And you need special prayer, let today be your day. Don't be afraid. God is there. He loves you. He cares for you. He's willing to walk with you. He's willing to help you out. He's right there by our side. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. Very present help. God is there. He loves you. And he cares. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. I don't know if I can give God a praise. We want praise in this place. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for caring God. All by yourself. And love the rest in spite of being good and being kind as we uh, get ready to get ready for our, our offering. Um, it's time for our tithes and our offering. Amen. Amen. If you do need an envelope, please raise your hand if you can get one. If you are using credit or debit.